Hi, I'm Howard Tierski. Welcome to the Winning Digital Customers Podcast, where we focus on the stories of large-scale digital transformations told by the people who lead them. Today, let's talk about this idea of change management. What is change management? Well, if you are undertaking any kind of a digital transformation, or frankly, even something less ambitious, just a major overhaul of one area of your organization or of a department or a division, you're probably going to encounter some resistance. Change management is really the art of figuring out how to get the people within your organization to be a happy, productive part of the transformation that you are looking to undertake rather than resisting it rather than fighting it, rather than being a force that you have to battle against. If change management is done effectively, you can get folks on the side of the transformation so you're all working together. That's the concept. And what I want to talk about today is a very simple four-step approach to change management. So in probably less than 20 minutes, I'm going to walk you through all you need to know for successful change management. Well, honestly, maybe not all you need to know, but a high-level framework that I would suggest you should apply well in just about any change management situation. And by the way, before I dive in on this, I just want to share a pet peeve. I really don't like this term, change management. It is the term most widely used across the industry. So naturally, you know, we use it, it's vocabulary, but I, I really feel like it understates the challenge and the opportunity. Because change management just sounds like, well, all you have to do is manage people effectively and you can get them to change. And in reality, There's more to it than that. And also, you know, I don't love this word change because I feel like change can be anything, right? Change can be good, change can be bad, and change can be of different scales. What I like to think about is how do you get transformation alignment? How do you get transformation inspiration? To me, these are terms I like a lot better for what most people refer to as change management. But nevertheless, that's the term people use. So If you're Googling, looking for change management, I want you to find this video. So I'm not going to try to be too creative in my terms, but I just thought I'd start with that little personal quibble with the industry standard term. So how do you embark upon transformation or change within your organization in such a way that you have your organization of people well aligned with what it is you're looking to do? The first step of our four steps to change management is very simply define the change and why it's great for everyone. So before you can manage change or inspire transformation, you have to know what it is. Now, the truth of the matter is that the part process of figuring out what it is can actually be the seeds of effectively managing that change or inspiring that transformation because people tend to support transformation that they got to be a part of defining. So even if you're not yet completely clear on what the transformation is, you know, what's the vision of the future, exactly what change are you undertaking, there's an opportunity to say, hey, how can I involve more people within the organization, whether that's with workshops or surveys or interviews or suggestion boxes, idea challenges, there's so many different ways. And by the way, I talk about a variety of these things in my book, Winning Digital Customers, The Antidote to Irrelevance. I encourage you to check that out. But involving more people in defining the transformation itself is actually a great way to start, not just with one person who says, okay, I've decided on the change. Now I've got to figure out how to get everyone else to do it. 
but actually with a whole bunch of people who say, yeah, we were all a part of this. We're excited about it. Now we need to evangelize it out to the larger organization. But beyond the opportunity to get more change alignment by involving more people, clearly before you can start to get the whole organization aligned around something, you, you need to get to the point where you know what it is. So that's perhaps obvious. Step one, define the change. But the second part of that, number one is, and why it's great for everyone. Sometimes we define change and we say, well, the benefit of this change is it's going to cut the cost of our operations or our factories or our manufacturing or our marketing or whatever it is. And that's going to be great because, well, the CEO's bonus is tied to increasing profitability. Okay, well, that's great for the CEO. Why is that great for the person who works in the call center, the person at the store, the person who drives the truck? Sometimes we can identify one benefit to a transformation. That single benefit is great for everybody, in which case, wonderful. In other cases, the reason why the CEO should be excited about the transformation is not exactly the same as the reason why the person who works in the store. Perhaps the CEO is going to be excited because it's going to reduce cost and improve his bonus. And perhaps the person who works in the store is going to be excited because it's a new learning opportunity, or it's going to enable them to have happier customers, which affects them on a daily basis because they're the one interacting with the customers in the store all day long or what have you. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about this idea of thinking about segments and the, the appeal of the change to different segments. But that's essentially the concept behind step number one. Define the change involving as many people as is practical so that they're fellow parents of the change, if you will, and why it's great for everyone. Number two, resistance and appeal. So let's talk about resistance. In a perfect world, you would define a change or transformation. You would figure out why it's great for everybody and you would communicate it and everyone would say, huh, you've made a great point. Yes, this change is fantastic. I totally agree. I'm on board. Let's go do it. If that should happen to you, it means two things. Number one, you don't really need change management. This whole video is not necessary. The whole practice of change management is addressing the challenges of resistance to get your employees, your team, et cetera, on board with a change. That's So the first thing it would mean if you got that kind of reaction is that you don't need change management. The second thing that it would mean is that you are currently dreaming. So this is a good opportunity to just jump off the ground and see if you can fly. If you are experiencing that kind of a situation, I have been involved in scores of transformations in my career, and I have never seen this. I have never seen a situation where no matter how good the reasons seem to be, when they are initially communicated, you get everyone on board inevitably, I find there's always resistance. So if you believe you're in a situation where you don't need change management because everyone's on board, I would double check your math on that. So the essence of change management, therefore, is to deal with a problem of change, a problem of transformation, which is that even if you do number one, you define the change that really is going to be good for everyone or nearly everyone. Very often people will resist for a wide range of reasons from there is a sense of evolutionary nature that people tend to have, like a psychology that just makes people not like change, to all kinds of other reasons that they may have. And again, this is a topic I go into greater depth in my book, but there are many, many reasons, and you've probably experienced this yourself. If you're a call center expert and you're proposing a, a major transformation that may reduce the number of people you need in the call center, that may not sound appealing to somebody whose whole career and expertise is around call centers, and they don't know anything about chatbots or conversational commerce. 
they may prefer to keep to the old world rather than move to the new, no matter how good of an opportunity it is for the company. You need to understand what are the points of resistance that people have within the organization. And very often you need to do that by segment, meaning your finance department may have resistance that it's quite different from the resistance that your truck drivers have. Now, sometimes they may resist for the same reason, but it may be different. So you need to study the different key roles within your organization, the different levels of people, you know, the resistance that the senior vice presidents may have may be quite different to the resistance that your store associates have. So you need to look at different segments and roles within your organization and really have your finger on the pulse to understand, okay, what, what are they concerned about? What is it about this change that makes them worried, fearful, angry, ripped off, cheated, tricked? You know, there's an old book that I'm not a big fan of called Who Moved My Cheese, which is often given out when companies go through transformation. And I probably won't do it justice here, but the essence of the book is if you're a rat in a maze and you always know how to run the maze and find the cheese and someone moves the cheese, so now your old methods of finding the cheese no longer work, you can get pretty annoyed by that. And that's probably true for rats. I don't even know if it's true, but let's just say that it's true. I don't love the analogy of employees being rats in a maze. Uh, but you know the reality is that people can get, that the, the aspect of that book that's correct is that people can get annoyed if they feel like the old rules are changing. They, they knew how to be successful and now they don't know how to be successful anymore. So that aspect of the book, I agree with. I'm not sure the book's solutions are, are the right ones, but let's keep following the path we're talking about here. Can't get enough of winning digital customers? You can find even more content and video versions of the podcast episodes on our YouTube channel. Visit wdc.ht slash YouTube to subscribe. So you want to understand and do some studying and some research, and there's a variety of different techniques you could use from surveys to focus groups to one-on-one -on -one interviews, asking managers to talk to their team. There's many ways you can keep your finger on the pulse of your employees and understand what is it about this change that they are concerned about and slice and dice that by different roles and segments. In addition, what do they like about it? There might be people who say, well, I really hate this change for reasons A, B, C, D, and E. But when you say, well, is there anything good about it? They might say, well, yeah, you know, I could see some good could come of it. I could see how it could be good for me in certain ways. Even if they're against it in aggregate, understanding those areas of the appeal can also be key to ultimately driving successful change management. So the second step after you have defined the change and communicated it and said why it's great for everybody is to study employees and to understand what are their points of resistance and what are the aspects of the appeal of the change. So the third thing, as you might imagine, is, well, let's address this resistance. This is the core of change management. Let's come up with a plan to address the resistance because if we get rid of the resistance, we're done, right? That's the whole problem. That's the whole problem we're trying to solve through change management. If everyone's on board, loves the idea, and is fully committed to executing and making it successful, then change management is done. It's totally fulfilled its job. By the way, just because you're successful at change management doesn't mean your transformation will be successful. If you have the wrong idea, if your vision is flawed and everyone is totally behind it, you're not necessarily going to succeed, but at least you won't have failed because of resistance to change, which I would argue in many cases is the number one reason organizations fail. Because the truth of the matter is, there are often many possible paths to success. I find one reason organizations fail is they can't agree on the path that they're going to follow. So they spend all their energy fighting each other over which path to success they're going to take instead of just picking a path and committing and fully going down it. So overcoming resistance 
is a huge part of success in any transformation. So once you've identified the resistance, we need to address it. Now, how are you going to address the resistance? I'm going to suggest to you that there are three main ways that you can address resistance. And depending on what kind of resistance you're talking about or who you're talking about, you may apply a different method. So in your portfolio, if you will, of resistance, remember in the prior step, we've gone to understand what are the points of resistance and appeal from different segments. So now you're sitting there saying, all right, well, this group is resisting for this reason, and this group is resisting for these other two reasons, and this group is, on, is in favor of it, and the appeal they find is this thing, whatever it is. Now we want to go ahead and address the resistance. So the three ways to address resistance. The first method to address resistance is to eliminate the resistance. Now, you might say, Howard, it sounds a little bit self-referential, right? Well, follow me here. Eliminating resistance means that the reason that they're resisting has been eliminated. Let's take an example. Or let's say that you have a, a store team and they make commission. A big part of how they make their uh, living is on commission from things they sell in your store. And what you're doing is you're putting all kinds of big signs in the store and you're encouraging customers to buy things on the website. You're sort of driving customers, not only to buy in the store, but while they're in the store to try to buy, drive them to buy on the website. Maybe you're even offering them an extra discount if they buy on the website. And so the people in the store are saying, wait a minute. So if people come to the store and I help them and I convince them to buy something, you're going to send them to buy it on the website and I'm going to lose my commission. I am totally against this. Even if it's more cost effective for the company, it's a better customer experience, et cetera, et cetera. Can you understand why if you're going to lose a big part of your commission, you're probably not going to be in favor. of it. On the other hand, if you stay to your store associates, okay, we hear you. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to geo-track anyone that's in the store. And if you help someone in the store, then anything they buy online from us in the next 30 days, you're going to get commission on that anyway. doesn't matter if it was because you talked to them. doesn't matter if they buy it that day or they buy it a week later. If you talk to them, you're still going to get commission. Well, that is an example of eliminating the resistance. You have just created a rule or a policy, which all of a sudden they're going to say, oh, well, never mind. I no longer am resistant on that point. You have literally eliminated that point of resistance. That was a real legitimate beef, right? That was a real problem that those employees might've had with that transformation if you hadn't eliminated it through the commission policy. But sometimes there are points of resistance that uh, are not real. Someone says, well, we're concerned that what you're really planning to do is to close all the stores and then we'll all be out of work. Or you know, we're concerned that you're gonna be sending all of our jobs to an offshore location. Or sometimes the concern that one of the concerns that people have is not really a legitimate concern. It's legitimate in the sense that it's their fear, but it's not actually consistent with the plan. It's not actually what's going to happen. So you can't fix it with a policy necessarily because it was never going to happen in the first place. But in those cases, you can often eliminate the resistance by simply communicating. For example, maybe there's a concern where your employees say, you're going to take our point of sale system away, the one we've already learned how to use, and you're going to give us a new point of sale system. And you're probably going to expect us to learn it on our own at home, unpaid, and we're going to have to use it the very next day, and we're not going to be given any time to learn it. Well, maybe that's not your plan. Maybe your plan was, of course, there's going to be training, and of course, they're going to be paid for the training. So in that case, unlike our prior example, where you actually heard the concern and made a change, in this case, all you have to do is communicate and say, no, 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 we understand your concern about that, but that's not what's going to happen. Let me tell you what the plan is. So 
in those ways, if you understand what the concern is, you can sometimes eliminate it. I'll give you one warning about this is sometimes there's an underlying psychological resistance to change and people will tell you the reason that they're concerned. But if you solve that problem, there's another problem behind it. And there's another problem behind it. And there's another problem behind it. It's kind of like if someone says, hey, why don't we move to Miami? It's too hot. Well, actually, you know, look at the weather. It's actually beautiful. Oh, well, it's taxes are too high. Well, actually, there's no state taxes in Florida. Oh, well, then it's because the school systems are terrible. Well, no, actually, the, the town we're looking to move to has great school systems. Look at the data. So obviously, when someone's doing that, you know that the problems they're throwing out are not the real problem. There's some fundamental underlying problem. My mother-in-law lives in Miami. I don't want to move there you know, or whatever it is. So that's eliminate. Eliminate is figuring out how to obliterate the point of resistance. And again, you may need to do this for multiple points of resistance because you may have different segments who have different points of concern. Studying it and getting specific about it, not just doing rah-rah, not just telling everyone it's going to be great, but really understanding the concerns and communicating and if necessary, taking action to eliminate. The second method that you can use to address resistance is to overcome it. Now you might say, what's the difference between overcoming resistance and eliminating resistance. Well, here's the difference. Eliminating is you've obliterated that resistance because it's no longer valid. The thing you were worried about is not going to happen. But some points of resistance are not possible to obliterate. For example, let's say you're going to the senior executives and you're telling them we're going to launch this new app and new website and we're going to convert all our customers to digital and here's all the benefits. And they have a concern. What if it doesn't work? What if our customers don't like this approach? What if the technology fails? What if the technology changes while we're doing this and the thing that we're building turns out to be obsolete before we finish it? What if there's cost overruns and this thing you tell us is going to cost 10 million actually costs 15 million or 20 million or 50 million? Such things are not unheard of. Well, you're probably not going to be able to convince them that these risks are impossible. They are real risks of any transformation. Transformations fail all the time. You're not going to be able to completely eliminate those points of resistance. So you need to overcome them. Overcome simply means to help whatever audience it is that has those points of resistance see so much positive opportunity in the transformation that they are willing to accept certain risks. That's why you're overcoming them. You're not eliminating them. You're like leaping over them. So how are you going to do that? It's with that appeal stuff we talked about earlier. Download the first chapter of the Wall Street Journal bestseller, Winning Digital Customers, The Antidote to Irrelevance, today. Visit winningdigitalcustomers.com to get started. If you're talking to senior executives and they have all these concerns, you can say, yes, projects like this have risks. But if we can successfully overcome those risks, we can triple our revenue. We can double our profit. We can cement our future. You can show them how. Sometimes it's necessary to accept a concern or risk by the potential positives of getting to the other side being large enough. People are willing to say, you know what, I'm on board with this, even though it has some possible downsides because the upsides are so much greater. And by the way, there's also the opportunity to try to reduce some of those downsides. If people have concerns, those concerns may actually be helpful to you. If someone says, you know, one of my concerns about your plan here is that we have problems with our mainframe. And sometimes when we integrate things with it, the, the whole thing crashes. And I'm concerned that the vision that you've just put forth, you're going to try to integrate it with our mainframe and you're going to bring the whole thing down. And that's why I'm against this. Well, you know what? They might be right. 
And so that could be a clue that your plan needs to be modified to address the mainframe concerns. And there are obviously many technical ways to do that. So the opportunity to understand what people's concerns are can also be about, even if you can't completely eliminate the technology risk, saying, all right, well, here are some steps we're going to take to reduce it. You're concerned about the budget. Here are some steps we're going to take to make it less likely that this project will go over budget with better forecasting and planning. Here are some steps we're going to take to make it less likely that consumers will reject our new app by testing it and doing market research before you build it and launch it. So understanding how you can reduce the negatives of those resistance points, even if you can't eliminate them, and then obviously pump up the positives. It's sort of like you're moving these rocks closer together. You can't push them all the way together, but you're reducing the gulf and then you're giving more energy to the runner that's going to jump over and overcome those points of resistance. So I mentioned that there are three, and remember we're on the third step of our four steps of change management. First step was to identify the change and why it's great for everybody. The second was to understand what are the points of resistance and appeal. The third is to create a plan for overcoming the resistance. And we said there are three parts to that. First part was to obliterate, to eliminate the resistance. The second is to overcome it. The third step is to accept the resistance. Sometimes there are some people who are just not going to get with the program. You've got a vision for transformation within the organization. And if you had to wait for every single person in your company to be on board, you would be waiting forever. For a wide range of reasons, there are some people who are just never going to agree with what you're doing. Maybe they don't like the idea of change. Maybe they don't like the direction of change. Maybe they don't like the plan to get there. Maybe it's just they feel it's bad for them personally. Maybe the change that you're describing turns the company into one that's just not the kind of place they want to work. In those cases, there will be some percentage of people where you need to just accept. You are not going to be able to eliminate the resistance. So what does it mean? If that's 80% of your company, you can't accept that. Right? You have to find ways to overcome or eliminate more of that resistance so you can't be successful. But if it's 10%, first of all, you may be able to be perfectly successful pursuing a transformation where you have 90% support in the company. And the other 10% of people, well, they may stay and just be less happy. They may be won over eventually. Like after the transformation is successful, they may say, yeah, I was in favor of it all the time, even though they resisted it the whole time. They may just leave and find another job somewhere else. And that might be okay. If your company is transforming, it may be that it isn't still a place that's good for them. And attrition and at small levels can be a positive thing. Bring in new blood. Or you may have to let some of them go. There are times when people just resist change and despite your best efforts, they don't adapt and accept it and they're just dragging things backwards or they're a negative influence on the company. And those people, sometimes it just makes sense for you to help them find another position where they will be happier than they seem to be in the one they're in at a company that's transformed. Those are some ways you can accept. Accept doesn't always mean you do nothing, but it means you're not trying to change them. You're either going to accept them and allow them to stay and accept that you have a small minority vote in the company, or you're going to find some way to get them out of the organization. So that's the third step. That's the biggest step. The fourth is really just to execute and then measure and adjust. So obviously there's many things one could say about executing, but depending on what you're executing, it's going to be quite different. So I'm not going to talk a lot about that. We're pretty nearly out of time here anyway. But once you've got the whole plan, you obviously have to execute that plan. It could involve everything from training programs to communications to changes to rules and policies, to risk mitigation plans that you're executing, to ongoing executive reporting and communications. There's a wide range of 
techniques and things that you can implement in your portfolio to overcome resistance. Again, there's actually, in addition to talking in my book about all the ways that people resist change, I also go through, I think it's 12 different ways to overcome change. So your toolbox, if you will, of ways you could overcome change is outlined there. But ultimately, then you're going to execute those changes. And then you want to measure and adjust whatever methods you were using to determine and to understand in step two, what people's areas of resistance and appeal were. You now want to continue to do that. Keep your finger on the pulse of your employees. Sometimes you understand the resistance and you create a plan to overcome it, but you know, it doesn't work. Your communications aren't resonating with people. Or like I said earlier, it's like peeling an onion. You, you solve one problem, but you didn't realize that behind that, there was another and another. So this is not a one-shot deal, but a continuous process. Or by the way, sometimes people don't resist change initially, but as it gets closer, their resistance, like all of a sudden it's like, it becomes real and the resistance grows. Or, you know, sometimes people don't really understand the change. Like they initially think, oh, it sounds okay. And then when they really get closer to it, it's not just because it's closer, but all of a sudden they can see it better. And they're like, oh, wait a minute. I didn't realize it was going to mean I was going to have to change from the third floor to the 12th floor. I have a fear of heights. That's no good, you know, or I didn't realize they were going to actually take away my green screen and give me a different tool to use for my, you know, work that I do all day long. I love my green screen or whatever it may be. So, you know, it may be that new points of resistance crop up as you get closer to the actual implementation of the transformation. So it's not a one-stop shop. It's something that you need to continuously do as you're executing the change management program. And of course, as you're executing the transformation itself, clearly there's much more to a transformation than just the change management or the transformation alignment program or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and that's it. Those are our four steps, right? I'll just restate them one more time for you. Number one, make sure you're really clear on the transformation and involve people in getting that clarity and make sure you're clear on why it's great for everybody. Number two, assuming that even though you think it's great for everybody, not everyone's going to agree, study different segments within your organization to understand what are their main points of resistance, but also what is appealing to them about this change. Number three, understanding what those points of resistance are, you need a plan. How are you going to either overcome or eliminate or accept the various points of resistance within the various groups, segments that you studied? And lastly, once you've got that plan, you're going to execute it, but it's not a one-time thing. You're going to continuously keep your finger on the pulse of your employees and adjust as needed. So that's it. That is how you approach change management within an organization. Of course, there's always another layer, and that's why companies like mine exist and many others that can help you through the process. And that's why I've written a 400-page book that, among other things, goes into this topic. I nevertheless thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Hope that this is helpful and useful to you and encourage you to, well, as I always say, keep transforming. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Winning Digital Customers, the podcast. Find more great episodes at wdcpodcast.captivate.fm on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, or wherever you listen. And visit winningdigitalcustomers.com to learn more about the Wall Street Journal bestselling book that inspired the podcast.